kind of feels like, like, our, like we've been gone, separated for a while. It's our first time back. I know we've had some like holiday services, an online Christmas service that was fantastic. Um, we had Christmas Eve candlelight and New Year's Eve prayer, New Year's Day testimonies and declarations. That was fantastic last week. Um, I know Nick and, Nick and Tiana, we, we hung out with them over the weekend for a little bit, and uh, they were saying, we were just getting, Nick's like, I just built up my confidence to come up, and Nicole's like, all right, there'll be no more. So anyway, they shared an incredible testimony with us and some of the things the Lord did in their life. But Nick's walking out right now because he knew I was going to pick on him. He got in a severe accident uh, on duty uh, a couple years ago, and he is all the way healed and full and whole now. So that's all I'll share. Everything else, just asking. They shared like three or four things with us. But, uh, and I know that's been the case with many of you this year. And uh, we only had time for maybe a dozen or so last week. But I know the Lord, even, and let me just reword this. The Lord has done something in every person here. He has. And I know there's been tragedies, there's been trials, there's been circumstances, but he's still yet worked in those and still done also blessings and favor and provision and protection and so many other things. And when we dwell on that, all of a sudden, that's our focus and not all of the crud and bad that happened. So I just encourage you, focus on what the Lord is doing, not what he hasn't done. Focus on what the Lord is doing and more than what the enemy's doing. And your outlook, your perspective, your hope, your faith, your joy, your peace, it will be astronomically bigger than anything else. All right, a few things. Um, this year, I think Josh has some, right? You got some cards? Okay. Every year we start off, I kind of do a, a thing, um, kind of like a vision casting service, the first official or one of the first services of the year. And this is one of my favorite things. We kind of, like as a church, what do we feel the Lord breathing on? What do we feel uh, we're pursuing? What do we feel the Lord will do this year? Last week, we started that by ending the year reflecting on Jesus, testifying of his goodness, and also making declarations of hope and faith into this year and uh, just speaking things out. The other thing we do every year is we start the year with a fast, a 21-day fast. Uh, we don't make that dogmatic, legalistic, rules that you have to do it. We invite you in on a 21-day fast uh, as we pursue the Lord. Unofficially, officially it started like last Tuesday, Wednesday, but this is between you and the Lord. Do, do what you see fit. Uh, a lot of people give up food. Some people give up social media. Some people just do their own thing, but I'm just encouraging whatever you give up, replace that, especially if it's a time thing. Like say you give up social media and you're like an hour a day kind of social media person. Maybe an hour a day you spend in the word or worship or, or just time with the Lord. Or, or maybe it's food in place of maybe a lunch a day or, or something like that each day. Maybe that time, that lunch period now becomes prayer, meditation, uh, worship, time in the word, things like that. So Jensen Franklin, uh, he, he's a, a pastor in the U.S., uh, has two churches, I believe still, but he, he does some incredible teaching on fasting. And I encourage you to maybe look up that if you don't know anything about fasting or what that is, uh, look him up. I'll also be posting some things in the next couple weeks on our, on our private group. And if you're not part of that on, on social media, on Facebook, just ask to join. So 21 Day Fast, that's launched. Now, the third thing we do, is we pass out vision cards or dream cards. Every year we, we pass, out, pass out these dream cards. So I'm gonna ask Josh just to pass those out right now and we'll put them at the door uh, as you leave. If, you're, if some of the people were teaching or your spouse isn't here or whatever, just grab one for them. And I'll explain this card and what it is. On the front, it just says 2023, kind of has a few of our focuses for the year. Um, and we're gonna be dwelling and where I'm gonna cast vision today is Psalms 23. 
That's really, we're going to just eat that book today and eat uh, that chapter and that psalm by David uh, today and probably through this year. And uh, Psalm 23, uh, but I want to go over this card first. And uh, on the back, what you're going to see once you get it is on the back, it ha obviously has Psalms 23, and it has just a few words and different things. But each year, and we've been doing this for a number of years because I believe that dreaming is important um, uh, focus in the Lord. Uh, and I believe that. What I mean by dreaming is I, I, I mean declarations, hope, faith, faith for the more, faith, uh, or, or you can even substitute almost that with prayer requests, okay? What are we petitioning for? What are we, what are the desires of our heart? And these don't always have to be super spiritual. They don't always have to be um, everything to, to, to do with like everybody getting saved on the planet and everybody being healed and whole and set free. Like it could be like you just need a car and it's okay. So there's a natural side and a spiritual side on that. And I know they're small. What we do every year in my family, we all fill these out and we put them on the fridge. And near the end of the year or through the year, we kind of look at them like, Lord, what are you doing? What have you done so far? And we just, we do this and we pray for these and uh, we just kind of take a stand to dream. And I believe dreaming ignites hope that, that ignites the seed of faith. And it just takes some mustard seed. So this is on your own. Uh, this is just a thing we provide for you each year of 2023 of, hey, dream with the Lord. Dream. Put some radical things in there. We mentioned some of this last week. Put some things on there that you, you don't even think could come to pass for 10 years. And just see what happens. I think there's 10 or 20 spots on each side or something. We usually encourage doing 10 and 10. 10 spiritual. That your kids will be saved. That your marriage will be whole and healthy this year. You'll, you'll, you'll be intimate and in love with your spouse, right? Those are some spiritual ones. And natural dreams are um, going for that promotion or whatever it might be. Maybe tangible, natural things. And it's okay. Maybe you haven't had a vacation in a couple years. Like this year's a year of a, of a vacation or seeing something you haven't seen, you know, and that's, that's cool to put that, all right, and then just see what the Lord does, all right, everybody have one, okay, we'll, we'll make those accessible on the table uh, on the way out as well, and they'll be floating around here if you lose yours, or uh, you're like, man, I, where did I put that, I've searched all my Bibles, I don't know where they are, anybody else do that, I do that on a constant, so um, now let's get into the, the vision in 2023, um, there's a few things that I, that I feel like we're going to obviously doing this year. Um, I understand it's a little crowded in here. Uh, after COVID, not even during COVID, after COVID and, and kind of the, the bulk of the pandemic, we went to one service. We used to have a 9 and 11 service, and we went to one service. Uh, we as a church fell in love with this one service, and um, it's at times uncomfortable. We're kind of back into a routine now, first, first uh, week of the year, and it's a little crowded, especially when the kids are still in here. We as a church decided, you know what, we as a leadership, a team, a church body, we even had some votes. We're like, what's everybody think? We did some survey monkeys. We love one service. We're not against two, not saying it'll never happen again, but we are investing in the building and we're expanding. So we know that's going to happen. There's going to be a legacy campaign. We're going to like really breathe into what that looks like, another 10,000 square feet with a gym, a dedicated prayer room, a youth space. Our youth do not have a youth room or anywhere to gather that's their own. They're going to have that. So we're excited what this looks like for some of the ministries within our church, but also opening up to the community. I can't wait to invite the Senior Citizen Center to play pickleball in our gym. I can't wait for some, and I'm going to join them. I love pickleball. If you haven't played pickleball, you're missing out. All right, It is a lot of fun, and let me just say, you show up, 
And if there's some folks there that are older than you, you're still going to get your butt whooped. I ate some humble pie. I went out there and I got slaughtered. <laughs> these, these folks that are more mature than me are like coming up and like spinning the ball and spiking it. I'm like, what's happening right now? Feels like I'm playing ping pong with the firefighters again. So anyway, we can't wait to see what that looks like to meet the needs of the community and open up more of our building to the community. So that's happening. We're going to push into our core values. Uh, we have five core values that are on our site, on our website, that you can look up and, and, and what that looks like as a family to make sure you know what you're into here. This is a family. This is a home. We don't live here, but we call it home, right? So you're part of this. This is your church. We, this isn't um, this pyramid where I'm a dictator and I just say everything that happens. We have a great team of leaders and a great way that we do church, but it's a family. This is your body. This is, you're part of this bride. You're, you're, you're in this, but we want you to know some of those core values. We meant to do that last year, and we just didn't. Let me just say this. We follow Holy Spirit. This is what I feel Holy Spirit saying now. Some of the things we're going to push into um, but we are um, at his mercy and subject to change our agenda in each service as well as each direction of where we go. Um, but we feel the Lord has said a few things, and that is so far that there will be a focus on worship. I, don't, I, I assume by now, since you've made it this far in the service, you know we love passionate worship. We love that our first ministry is unto the Lord. That's our heart. Our heart is that our first ministry, our priority is ministry to the Lord, ministry to his heart, that we burn an incense of worship to him each and every week corporately together as a family. And it looks maybe different than what you grew up. It may look different than what church you just came from, but it is who we are and we passionately pursue him and we have a value for freedom, for worship, for intimacy, for depth, for power, for passion. And some of that looks different in all of us. Watch any sporting event. I saw Zach at UK with a big K on his chest with no shirt on. I'm totally lying right now. I repent for sinning. I'm just messing with Zach a little right now. But you, know, you see this, and, and that's the same in worship. Like We passionately pursue him a little different, so, so we know that. That's on the card. The other thing is Sabbath. Let me just say that. Um, I have not um, been for uh, practicing Sabbath on a regular basis as a believer, as a pastor, as a person. Uh, I actually was against it at one time. Like we can, uh, I know Nick has also said this and I kind of adopted, I can sleep when I'm dead. I'm maturing and I'm getting a little slower in life. And as the girls, we have four daughters, as they grow older, they're into more. So we are now valuing setting aside some time a week for the Lord and each other as well as as a lifestyle, setting aside some time for the Lord and being very strategic and tactical about my time and my rest and my, uh, how hard I go and when I go hard. Um, so there will be an invitation at some point this year to press into the Sabbath and what that looks like for you. It will not be a requirement. We will not push it. We will not say, you have to do a Sabbath. We are doing Sabbath as a church. Don't text me. Don't call me. It's not like that. There might be a delay on a Saturday of me getting back with you, but uh, these are things that we feel the Lord is breathing on and maybe some things that we may invite you in on. The last one, and this is very broad, and we use some different language with this. I think the one on the card uh, was communion and what that looks like, but we often use the word table. We are invited to this table with the Lord to dine with him, to have fellowship with him and each other. In Acts 2, there's a great model of church meeting in the tabernacle and house to house. 
gathering, sharing of meals, right, and doing that. So, so we are very passionate about communion and what that looks like. And I'm not just talking about the first Sunday that we set aside to do communion as a church where we break bread in honor and remembrance of the Lord and drink uh, juice and symbolism of his blood. That is very, very critical and important, but I'm talking about communion as a lifestyle, communing with the Lord and each other. And some of that, when we're gathered around the table, that's family, that's fellowship, that's, that's intentionality, that's connection, that's fun, that's depth, right? Some of the things that Back to the Garden and Mike and Ty are talking about, you're being invited to a smaller table than a Sunday morning to get intimate, to get deep, to build relationship. So those are some of about the three focuses that we really feel the Lord on. So the key verse that we really feel this year is Psalms 23. So this is where the actual message comes in. So if you could turn with me to your actual Bibles, if you have them, Psalms 23. Otherwise, pull up your app, or we'll have it on the screen if you don't have any of those. I got to hydrate for this. What we're going to do is we're going to read it all throughout, just start to finish. Psalms 23, it's only six verses. Then I'm going to go verse by verse of some of the, the depth and the meaning and, and some of the heart behind it, what we feel for this year. And as we read this, as we press into this, as we feel the Lord on this, I want you to say, man, I hear worship in this. I hear rest or Sabbath in this. I hear the table or communion in this, okay? So Psalms 23, and I'll, I'll be reading ESV. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Can we read that one more time as a body, out loud? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When I do that, I kind of want to like be like Nicole when she was teaching kindergarten. And like, like if this was a picture book and... So let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this new year, this clean slate, this fresh start, seeds of hope, seeds of joy, seeds of peace, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you save, you redeem, you reconcile, you restore, that your grace and your mercy abound, Lord, that your love is powerful, Lord, that your spirit dwells in us, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for this new year, and we declare goodness over it. We declare favor and blessings and increase Lord, we declare that, that nations will say yes to you. We declare that your gospel will spread, Lord, that your good news will go and reach the unreached, Lord. 
We pray, Lord, and we ask and we declare that, that, that hearts will turn towards you, that prodigals will return home, marriages will be restored, and, Lord, that the favor of your people will abide. Lord, we thank you, Jesus. You're so good. Bless today in this word. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go verse by verse here. So, first off, how many know a, a, a lot about sheep? Any sheep farmers? We have a farmer here. We have another guy. So, so we have. Now, now, if you think about a sheep, especially a full sheep, hasn't been shaved, uh, do they get around well? No. No, they don't get around well. They really have no defense to predators. They have no sharp claws. They have no sharp teeth. When they fall, they look really, really funny trying to get up. And they absolutely cannot get up fast. Also, they can't fend for themselves with the quarrels within a flock. They can't fight off bugs. They don't have a tail to be able to do some of these things. And, and they can't find the green pastures themselves, oftentimes. They need a shepherd. So, so the, the first thing is, is that sheep need a, sh a shepherd. They're defenseless. Just like sheep, we, the sheep, like if you're thinking physical sheep, we are sheep. We need a shepherd. Matt's like, I ain't no sheep. In this context, we are sheep, and we need shepherded. We need provision. We need protection. We need that, that covering, right? We need that guidance. We need to be in that community and, and with a shepherd shepherding us. And I'm not talking about me, a pastor. I'm talking about the Lord. And let's go to Ezekiel. Ezekiel, there's a prophecy that Jesus would be the great shepherd. Ezekiel 34, 15 says he would become, and he's saying the sheep will do this and this, and it goes through several verses around 7, verse 7 through 16. But then in verse 15, it mentions that he will be our great shepherd. If you go to John 10, 11, it's, it's the redeeming good shepherd. He's calling himself, Jesus is called the good shepherd. If we go to Hebrew 13, 20, it's the resurrected. It's talking about the resurrection as the great shepherd. And then finally, 1 Peter 5, 4, it's talking about his return as what? Chief shepherd. So he is the good shepherd, he is the great shepherd, and he is the chief shepherd. We are sheep, we need a shepherd. So when it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. See, the one who restores makes us rest. Are you hearing Sabbath in here? By the way, we're, we're not, we're not going to go straight Jewish on you, okay? Um, we're not going to go to the customs, sundown Friday night, sundown Saturday. I'm not going weird or crazy on you, all right? I'm saying times of rest, times of wilderness, times of seeking the Lord, times of being refilled up so that we can pour out. He makes us lie down before green pasture. So then we get to verse 2. He restores my soul. Once we lie down, and, and, he, and, he, and he makes us lie down, see, there's this thing. Then he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. I like this one. Verse 3. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Now, now here's something interesting. It says, for his name's sake. In another version, you might find it read, bring honor to his name. Let, let, me, let me read this maybe in a different version or similar to it. He leads me paths of righteousness to bring honor to his name. When we choose a path of righteousness, it brings honor to the Lord. <laughs> we, we have a lot of people say, well, I don't feel the Lord or, or this. Let, let, me just, let me just be kind of blunt. If you quit walking in deliberate sin, you might feel the Lord. 
If you walk away from deliberate sin and a lifestyle of sin, you may actually encounter the Lord and bring honor to his name and feel the very thing you long to feel. Sin, sin thinking, toxins in our body, drugs, all all these things, they mask things, they bring a fantasy world into our life, and we're being fulfilled by something other than the Lord. I don't feel the Lord when I go there, because you're walking in sin. I don't feel the Lord when I go there, because you're going for you and not for him. Paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That's all I got on that. It's not all I have on that. <laughs> sin will also change our perception of how good God is. Let, let, me, let me just put this in an illustration. If I'm cheating on Nicole, which I will never do, I love you, I declare that. If I'm cheating, but I'm never exempt from that, but I never subject myself to compromise to lead to that. There's not a female in here that has ever met with me alone in any circumstance whatsoever, ever. Because I won't do it. Males either. But here's the deal. If I'm actively cheating and I'm walking in a lifestyle of sin, cheating and in, in, in adultery from Nicole, then I'm going to find fault in Nicole. I'm not going to be madly, radically crazy in love with Nicole. And I'm going to be looking for a way out. And I'm going to be keeping track of wrong. And I'm going to be focusing on the negative. It's no different than sin. When I'm actively walking in sin, I'm going to check everything that the Lord's not doing because I want to validate my sin because I don't want to get out of it. And I want to check these boxes. And I want to interpret the Bible to fuel my sin. And fuel my heart's desire, my natural desire, when he all along wants to fuel and fill and meet every one of our needs. And let me just say, his way of doing it is so much better than any sin out there. And you can't straddle that fence. I did that for a number of years. Man, he'd rather us be cold and, and, and spewing and puking and all this stuff than lukewarm. Cold or hot is what he talks about. So let, let me move on before I offend you too much, which I honestly don't care. There's a benefit when your vocation and career and livelihood doesn't come from the church. (laughs) I don't care if I offend you, and we take risk with the church. Like, it's great. I don't have to aim to please any one of you, and I don't know what you give, and I don't care. All right. Let me stay focused here. Even though I will walk, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. When I felt the Lord, and Nicole kind of prompted that Psalm 23, we were talking, what do you hear for the, from the Lord for 23? She's like, I hear the 23rd Psalm. And I was like, oh, you mean the valley of the shadow of death? <laughs> and we laughed. And I love that New Living Translation says it like this. It says, even when I walk through the deep darkness, or deep darkness, even when I walk through deep darkness, it says, I will fear no evil. How many, as believers in here, have walked through tough times? Every one of your hands should go up. You're just being, uh, uh, just either not paying attention or just hate me right now. (laughs) Every one of us have walked through trials, have walked through issues, have had to deal with death or rejection or abandonment or 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 sin. And and let me just tell you, let me back up just for a second. I'm I'm not perfect. I sin. Okay, I'm, not, I'm talking about deliberate sin and finding a way and a will and a, and a reason to continue in it. 
When I'm talking about sin, like, we all fall short. I'm, that's a pure heart. Pure heart, I, I'm trying, I'm pursuing the Lord, I fall. That's a daily walk with each one of us. I'm talking about you're constantly playing that game, dabbling in sin, and wanting to validate it and not choose the Lord. So every day, like, like we're doing this, we, we, we have these challenges, so we will walk in darkness. But when we do, when we're with the Lord, we fear no evil. We have no fear because he's with us. His grace is sufficient for every one of our needs. Now there's a shift here. We go from, in this verse particularly, we go from statements, words of statements, maybe even praise, to now worship. Check this out. For you are with me. Let me just read something to you here. Verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. In that valley, in that darkness, our heart shifts talking about him to being with him. There is a shift in the valley. There's a shift in darkness. There's a shift when we're going through a trial of our dependency on the Lord. And now all of a sudden we are in love and worshiping him because he's brought us through it because he always does. There is a shift literally from the psalmist here from, from praise and statements to now adoration and worship from the valley, from the darkness, from the trial, from the circumstances. Anybody ever caught that before? I have not. I'm studying this. I'm, I'm eating. I'm highlighting in two different Bibles of what this, what this really means for this year. And all of a sudden, in that circumstance, in that hard time, maybe 22, maybe 21, maybe 20 was hard for you, but 23 is here, and now we get to adore the king that brought us through it. Maybe it's currently. Maybe it's a marriage. Maybe it's something that you've journeyed the last few months. Maybe it's not been years. Maybe it's been months. Maybe it's been weeks. Maybe it's been days. Maybe your first week of the year has not been great. Guess what? We get to shift our attention, our affection, our adoration on him, and then guess what the provision is? We're going to move on. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I want to, I want to dwell on this just for a moment. These are the two tools that a shepherd would have. The rod would be a very hard, longer stick, and it would be used for beating off predators, uh, a tool used for that. Okay, and the rod is something that David actually used. This is probably a reference. It's talking about the strength, the power, the protection from the Lord, all right? Because it says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your rod specifically will protect me. Your rod, the Lord's rod, will specifically fight off the enemy and, 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 and fight off evil and all these things, right? David, if you, if you recall, I believe it was 1 Samuel 17, he fights off a bear and he uses a rod to kill the bear. A bear had a sheep in the mouth and he uses a rod to kill the bear. There is literally a reference here going back. Your rod, Lord, your rod will protect me. Your rod will give me strength. And it says your staff. I meant to bring the staff up. We have a, a staff that was from my grandpa. Um, and it's in my office. A staff, it's this longer stick with a curved hook at the top. You everybody know what a shepherd's staff is? That is the only tool that, that is used only by a shepherd. There is no other purpose ever been recorded. I'm sure some people have done some things with it. But it does not fit around any other animal. It doesn't work for anything. It does really no good. It's only for sheep. And it's this thing of protection. It's this thing of keeping the sheep in the community. Sheep will naturally wander off. 
Has anybody been tempted to wander away from the Lord? Has anybody had the notion to wander away from the church? Have. And all of a sudden, every time there's this reference that he'll leave the 99 to go after the what? The one. Because you matter. You're important. He loves you. He died on a cross for you. It wasn't just for the masses. It was for one of you. And this shepherd, when one starts to wander, he'll, he'll grab that staff, that comfort, that, that provision, that protection, that community peace, and he'll bring them right back into the flock for protection and, and that safety and that food and that nutri nutrients and everything else that is within the flock in the pasture where they're supposed to be. Maybe at night, it's gathering them to a safe spot. That's what a staff does. So it's this reference to strength. It's this reference uh, to protection for the rod and God's guidance, love, and his grace for the staff. We move on to verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Oh, man, this, this is pretty good. I like this one. I've been waiting for this one. What's, what's, what do we mention that's connected to the table? Communion, intimacy. There's so many things a table represents. Fellowship, community, connection, uh, that you belong, that you have a place at the table. And it's funny coming from the guy who was left out of the table when they were picking a king. They went to Jesse's house to pick a king. David wrote this. David was out tending the sheep as a shepherd, the lowest of low jobs on the farm in, in economy in, in business, it is the lowest of lows. Isn't it amazing that the Lord who came in a manger, birthed from a virgin, is referenced himself as the lowest of jobs? So David, who was left out, he's like, whoa, 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 there's one, there's one more son. Where is he? David, he's supposed to be king. Oh, he's out tending the sheep. He's the runt of the family. He's no good. You don't want him. He's, he's an idiot. He can't even be a shepherd right. Oh, no, 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 no. God looks on the inside when man looks on the outside. He leaves the 99 to go after the one. So we get to this table. He says he prepares a table even in the presence of our enemies. Do you know how we can sit in the midst of our enemies? Because we focus on the Lord. I, I want that to sit for a moment. The reason and how you can sit in the presence of your worst circumstance, your worst trial, your worst enemy, the person that's out to destroy you, whatever it might be. It might not be a person, it might be a thing. The very reason you can sit there at the table and dine and commune with the Lord and others is because your focus is more on him than the enemy or the situation itself. In the presence. Whose presence do you think is there? The Lord, because when two or more are gathered, where is he? Yeah, he's in the midst of that. Where we say, well, what, how many do you have in church? I don't know, we don't count. Because we know if there's two or more, he's there. And if there's one, there's still a worship service. When our focus becomes the enemy, we're giving him victory. And, and we can camp out in that presence and even in, in people who we disagree with because our focus is on the Lord who loves, who is all about unity. Some of the root words of communion is union, unity, being, being together, loving one another, and, and celebrating who each other is without stumbling over our faults. Wow, that hit hard during politics, didn't it? Or the vaccines, or the masks, or anything else the last three to four years. Man, 
If only I had this revelation a few years ago, I would not have engaged in some of the stuff I engaged in. I'm being straight up with you. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. I have more than enough than I'll ever need. That oil is, is, is an oil. It's, it's a symbol of an anointing of the Holy Spirit as well as a fragrance. Let me just say this. When the Lord anoints you, you look, you smell, you act different. When I was in sin, I stunk. I was a stinky person. I was nasty. I hated people. I was mean. I loved to fight. I would drink, and I would love to get in fights. Now, I'm a blubbering, crying mess even when I try to talk to you about Jesus. I'm not ashamed of that. Why? Because the next chapter talks about clean hands and a pure heart. And Lydia, one day in a service like that, the Lord, <laughs> he made my heart tender. And I no longer was a stinky person because I was anointed with an oil, the fragrance of Jesus. That penetrated my heart to make me different, to look at people different, circumstances different, and most of all, the Lord different. He's not just this judge waiting to condemn us and send us to hell. He is this loving father who's closer than a friend, who's our savior. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Let me, let me, let me give you an, an, an additional word for mercy there. The Hebrew word is connected to unfailing, unwavering love. Actually, it's even, even more closely related to grace. Surely, goodness, your unconditional, unwavering love and grace go ahead of me and with me all the days of my life as I walk with you. Is this coming a little more to life in us than just the scripture we memorize as children? It did to me. I used to fear this psalm. I don't, I don't, I don't even want anything to do with it because I don't want to walk to that shadow of death. I don't want it in that valley. Then I began to realize, wait, when we win, we walk through that valley. Those are where the nutrients are. I talk about this all the time. I love hunting. And I, I hunt in Colorado. I've hunted in New Zealand. I've hunted a, a, a lot of different places, Wyoming. And when you get above around 10,000 feet, there is no vegetation. It is the driest. There's shale, and there's just sandy rock. That's all there is. And there are very little to no plants. And I've been at heights where there really nothing exists, and we get to the snow caps. It's like, okay, this is the real deal here. And then all of a sudden, you go lower, and you get to those valleys. That's where the streams are flowing. That's where the, the vegetation is. And let me just tell you, especially in the winter, where do you think the elk go? Not where we are at 11,000 feet. They're pushing down because they know that the only way they're going to survive the winter is in that valley. And then they get strong. And then the next year, they go back up to the mountain. Can anybody relate to that? It, kids are released. It sucks going through a valley. It's terrible going through a valley. It's terrible walking in darkness when you feel you're alone and you, 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 it's hard to even not think about this situation, this circumstance with my kid or, or whatever is at hand or this desire that I have that's not been fulfilled. That is a terrible feeling. But let me just tell you, James 1-2 says, count on all joy the trials you may go through. It builds something. It builds your faith. It builds your perseverance. It builds your character. And let me just say this. From experience, it builds a dependency on the Lord that you know you can't do it alone and you need him. The deeper the valley, the deeper dependency you will walk in the Lord. 
Nick that I referenced earlier was in a war zone having under gunfire in the Middle East. And he said, Lord, if you get me through this and back to my wife and family, I will serve you and I will dedicate my life to you for the rest of my life. And if you know this about Nick, he's a man of character and he's a man of his word. And for the rest of his life, from that point forward, he has served the Lord. He was in a valley of the shadow of death. And he needed the Lord to get him through it. The deeper the valley, the better you're going to come out of that thing. Because you need a dependency on the Lord. You cannot do this alone. Let me, let me finish this up. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Man, the provision, the promises, even from the valley of the shadow of death, the promise, the end all be all for me is to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I'm not just talking heaven as a destination. I'm talking heaven as a lifestyle. I'm talking about I get to dwell with the Lord. I get to commune with the Lord daily. I get to worship him. I get to walk with him. I get to be on an adventure with him. I get to see people get healed, saved, freed, all these things. Why? Because I'm a believer and I'm a son of the most high king who is the king of kings and the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. And I get to live with the king of kings in my heart and journeying with me all the days of my life and dwell in his house forever. One of David's prayers in Psalms was, was that, I'm, that, I, that I may seek your face. This one thing, that I seek your face and I dwell with you forever and I dwell on your beauty. Paraphrasing. This one thing, that I be with you and I focus only on you and I get to walk with you and you walk with me. Now, it's not only our eternal promise, it's our everyday promise. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If the band, the full band could come, it'd be awesome. Did anybody else have any of this come to life a little bit more than maybe than you've read it in the past? I believe this is a promise for the year. These things, how, how we kind of dissected this or just pressed in a little bit more uh, without going too, too deep are the promises, the provisions that the Lord has for us this year. There might be some hard times that come. It's life. I preached a message once, and we were answering difficult questions in this series, and why do bad things happen to good people? Bad things happen to all people. Believers have a grace to walk through them with the Lord. Things just happen. So I understand as a believer, some things might just happen. We, one of our elders, Bruce Toll and, and his wife, incredible people, they've not lost one child, they've lost two. They've lost a six-year-old daughter and a, around a 23-year-old um, healthy, amazing young man as a son. Strong believers. Some of the strongest believers I know. I don't know why that happens. I don't know how BJ passes away and, and all this. I, I don't know that. I don't know how, why. Sometimes stuff just happens. God didn't cause it. God didn't do that. He'll use it. He uses all things to his glory for those who what? Love God and are called according to his purpose. So I, there might be some dark days. There might be some trials, some circumstances. I don't know, this first week, I probably already had some trials. Yesterday, I stepped on a hair barrette, <laughs> left in the middle of the floor. 
I was in pain. I heard a crack, like one of those big banana clips. That wasn't the worst of it. Then Hadassah, who's eight, you broke my cliff. That was my favorite one. And then we deal with her wrath. And I'm like, you left it in the floor. I'm sure there's been temptations already. When you live with five women, I don't know why I haven't got it yet. The Lord is building patience and grace and mercy and kindness. And surely goodness and mercy will walk with me all the days of my life. And his rod will comfort me, not my rod comfort them. Anyway, I, I feel the declarations in this. I feel the provisions. I feel the promises in this. So would you stay with me? I'd love to pray for you. And then we, we like to usually end with an activation. I feel there's already been some really powerful ministry time, an invitation from the Lord. And this is a, a deeper invitation to dream with the Lord with the cards and to press in the provisions, the promises, and the walk. I'm not done. I, I want to end with Psalms 24 based on what Lydia said. The Lord is faithful. He hears our cries. He hears our prayers. His promises are what? Yes and amen. His promises are yes and amen. It's, it's his yes. It's our amen. It's his promise. It's our process. There's certain things we have to walk out and do. That path of righteousness He's forgiven you from all sin. He's redeemed you. He's freed you. He's put the gospel of the real Jesus inside of you to not choose it. We still have to walk in that. We still have to walk in that daily, right? And when we stumble, we wipe ourselves up. We brush ourselves up. We receive the gift of grace, the gift of forgiveness, the price of the blood that it paid on Calvary, and the gift of the cross. Then we walk again, right? I love Psalms 24. One of my favorite verses that I've already referenced is, is right there. I believe this is also the call for us this year, okay? The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein, for he has founded it upon the seas and he established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Who wants to go up to the mountain? We may have been through the valley, but who wants to ascend the hill of the Lord? It says, and who shall stand in a holy place? Who has clean hands and a pure heart who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully? He, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation Oh, this is not just a promise to you and those in this room. This is to your generation and the generations to come. It says, such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. I want to seek his face. I want to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I want to receive for my generation, for my family, for my house, for my marriage, for my kids, the blessing and the favor and the comfort and the guidance and the mercy and the unwavering love of Jesus. That's the promise today.
Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the promise. I thank you for the provision. I thank you for Psalm 23 going into this year. I thank you for the revelation and the depth, Lord. I pray that your word in every verse comes to this life, comes to life and beyond. That is the infallible truth of you, Jesus. That is the absolute truth, Lord. <laughs> Lord, I thank you and I pray that it comes to life in each of us and there is a hunger for your word, for your gospel, and that you bring us, you call us to the table, even if circumstances and enemies are there, that we dwell on you more than the situation or person. Well, let our focus be you and let us seek you and let us seek to climb your hill, Jesus to receive all that you have for us. We thank you for forgiveness. We thank you for grace and mercy. We thank you for your blood. We thank you that you are the bread of life. We commune with you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Here's what I'd like you to do. Um, after service, we never wanna end a service without offering you salvation. If you don't know the Messiah and the, the Savior that we are talking about, we want to tell you, it is, it is, it is so beautiful. It is the best decision you'll ever make in your life. And it is, it is, oh man, I can't, I don't have time to preach another message on it. But we have a prayer team that will pray for any need you have, any healing, your marriage, anything you might be journeying for, anything you want to talk deeper on going into this year, or if you need a savior, they're going to connect you to those next steps and what this looks like in discipleship in this journey. Um, but for right now, what I'd love for you to do, those people will be here when you're done. I feel... It says, let the believers lay hands on the sick, they'll recover. So if we go to the Great Commission, it's talking about activating believers. And I believe there is a faith activation here today. I feel that there is faith that's activated. And I would love to end the service by you just praying for one another. All right? So, so get a little uncomfortable. Maybe somebody, maybe the Lord's highlighting somebody to you right now. Maybe their face kind of popped in or a shirt or whatever. Why don't you just go bless somebody, pray for them, release declarations and blessings for 23, press deeper into Psalms 23, maybe ask if there's a specific need and just bless one another as you leave. If you need specific prayer, we'll have leaders in the front. Love you guys. Bless you. Have an amazing day.